The National Student Financial Aid Scheme is f***ed. I'm absolutely certain that our editor bleeped that word out, which is fine. You know exactly what I meant because that is actually the only word that truly captures how messed up NISFAS is. This is a scheme that was supposed to, is still supposed to, provide the financial bridge for talented, deserving, hardworking students who did well in school to go on to achieve their dreams, do higher education, go to universities and colleges, get the qualifications that they need to secure jobs for themselves, to better their own lives and the lives of all their families in literally the most impossible, challenging, hard job market in the world with the highest overall unemployment rates of any country in the world, the highest youth unemployment rates of any country in the world by a mile. That's what NISFAS is supposed to do. But every single year we see protests because the tech is failing. Students haven't been provided money to buy books or transport or pay for accommodation or even get food on the table. There is scandal after scandal. And just now, in the last two weeks, the CEO of NISFAS, Andile Nongogo, was fired for a 47 billion rand scandal. And we're not even like surprised anymore, which speaks to the systemic failure, the endless, unstoppable crisis that NISFAS has been in since basically time immemorial. And so today, this is the issue with NISFAS. And it's hard to say what the hell is going on. In fact, this episode is what the hell is going on, has been going on. What are the fundamental problems with NISFAS? Because we need to talk about it. And it affects so many people, has affected so many millions of people. Welcome to The Issue with Dan Corder. South Africa is a movie. Come watch it with us. Please take a second to follow or subscribe on whatever platform you are streaming this from. It makes a huge difference as we continue to develop this project together to get the good news and the right perspective and the right analysis to all South Africans about what is going on in this country. This is The Issue with NISFAS. The National Student Financial Aid Scheme is supposed to provide money for students who can't afford to go to university but have exhibited potential and talent and hard work and the ability, the capacity to make a success of further learning, higher study. And what this is, this is like one of the most important parts of trying to create a new South Africa, which is not defined by historical, deeply racist, embedded, systemic inequality. NISFAS is supposed to help students, and everyone talks about education being the true ticket to South Africans being able to create a better future for themselves. NISFAS is supposed to be it. If you've proven yourself as a student, if you've got a decent matric and you've got some higher learning that you want to pursue, that any student like who had the same marks as you but better home finances would be able to pursue because they could afford it and they get into university, NISFAS is supposed to provide the money to help students from disadvantaged moneyless or little moneyed backgrounds to actually achieve their dreams and go and study further. And that's a massive transformation goal, not just for individuals, but for the whole of South Africa as a country and as a project. But you know that it's not working because we've become so desensitized to the yearly, sometimes even monthly crises within a year involving the National Student Financial Aid Scheme. So let me try and explain what is going on. It is wild like really wild and honestly, for me, incredibly upsetting. So the National Student Financial Aid Scheme was officially technically established in 1991, but in 1999, it became the means through which the government, through the Department of Higher Education, 
would try to help impoverished students have meaningful opportunities in higher education institutions. That happened through the NISFAS Act in 1999. And it's a scheme that's funded by the government and also to varying degrees local and international donations. So initially and for many, many years, it was structured as a loan, but with bursaries too. So the idea was that NISFAS would gather information. Say you're applying to NISFAS. NISFAS would ask you what the average household income of your family was and how many dependents in that household, how many people were dependent on that household income, and then also the family cost of living. And that would give them a good indication per applicant of how much money the applicant needed to be able to afford to go to university. And all of that together would be combined into an EFC, an expected family contribution, EFC. And then they threw in academic merit, so the applicant's academic results uh, with EFC, and it was calculated into a score, and then you'd be ranked and after that allocated NISFAS funds. And the full goal, the full vision of NISFAS was to intend to cover the full cost of study. So think about that. It's your tuition, it's accommodation, it's meals, it's books and learning materials, it's any required travel to allow students to really, really take advantage of this opportunity. But NISFAS has never been able really to achieve that dream because universities are incredibly expensive to run and very, very often the cost of being a student dramatically outstrips the loan caps that NISFAS had on how much a student would be given or how much money they would be allocated. Some universities, like the University of Cape Town UCT, managed to develop funds in place to cover the shortfall between the loan and the full cost of getting this higher education. But that is also very expensive, and many universities couldn't pull that off. And this isn't a moment to find problem with the universities. It's incredibly difficult to run a university that largely runs off of donations and government funding and yet has a very explicit mandate to educate as many people as possible. The government constantly, the higher education department, constantly expects and requires universities to take on more students, make classes bigger, get more students through and qualified. And that is extremely difficult to scale, and so it is expensive for universities to operate in South Africa. It's not a cheap business. So NISFAS would try to provide as big a loans as they possibly could to students who'd applied. But for most of these loans, a portion of the loan would be converted to a bursary if certain goals of academic success were achieved by the applicant. So applicants were incentivized to get a certain number of distinctions or an average pass mark of 50% or maybe maybe higher than that, 60-70%, and then their loans would be reduced. But these loans were still very, very, very significant. And right from the start, dropout rates were extremely high. Students have to pass 50% of their courses to continue to get NISFAS funding. And university is already objectively extremely challenging. And we know that any part of life is all the more challenging if you come from an impoverished background, if you've got extra financial concerns that you need to constantly worry about. If your NISFAS loan doesn't cover the full cost of tuition, you need to try and be finding money for the rest of it. It's a high-stress, awful, high-pressure environment that often would affect young students of color who were the first people in their families and sometimes even in their whole communities. I went to university with somebody who was the first in his village to go to university. High pressure environment, very challenging, makes studying all the more harder. And so, of course, dropout rates were high because it was likely. Because say a student doesn't pass 50% of their courses, 
then they don't get funding, then they can't afford to continue to study, they drop out. And then NISFAS struggles to get their loans back, to recoup their loans, because the students who they gave loans to don't have a qualification to go and get a job which allows them to or enables them to make the money that they needed to pay the loan back. So real, real disaster. Over and over again, year after year, real disaster. And on top of all of those stresses I mentioned, NISFAS was also a dysfunctional system because it had to happen at a very large scale. And there were many financial transactions that had to happen, many students whose documents had to be evaluated. And NISFAS systems often shuddered to a halt or just broke under the pressure of so many needs that needed to be met through largely digital systems, uh, later largely digital systems, but also paper and scan systems that needed to happen. So it was a real mess. For a while, NISFAS had to or chose to give money to institutions, universities to distribute, but that also made it all the more complicated. And so we had these horror scenarios where students suddenly wouldn't get their NISFAS allowance and couldn't afford food. Or at the beginning of the year, they couldn't afford accommodation. They couldn't get into residences at universities that were far away from where they were raised. Or they couldn't afford travel. It was just a disaster. So just to give an idea of the scope of how many students this involved, in 2014, there were 186,150 people who were supported to a degree or badly supported by NISFAS. That's up from 86,000 students in 2002. And in 2002, those 86,000 students benefited from 733 million rands of payout. But in 2014, 733 million had gone to 6.97 billion rands of NISFAS payout to the 186,000 students. And that's something important to consider here is that South Africa, in all of its levels of its really like pathetic, debilitating, rubbish education system, has never really suffered a lack of funding. It's been the implementation that's been a disaster. If you look at similar economies, similar countries in terms of economic power, but also population size and scale, South Africa actually spends a significant portion of its yearly budget on education, a really significant portion. But it still fails to deliver good quality education or good systems to provide for and help students. NISFAS budget was increasing higher than the rates of inflation for the vast majority of years, particularly on average, and yet still fundamentally failed so many students. And strangely enough, while funding continued to rise annually from around 2011 to 2014, the number of students who were being funded steadily declined and university fees continued to rise with inflation, so it made it even more challenging for students to literally afford to go even with a reliably delivered NISFAS allowance. So then, breaking point. It actually started in 2015 with Roads Must Fall. On that fateful day when Humani Makwele threw shit on the Rhodes statue at UCT and sparked what ended up being a national movement which grabbed global headlines of students of color critiquing what it was like to try and study while black, study while not white at institutions that had for in extra- decades, many years since their founding, all of these universities had been built for white people, often under colonial or apartheid conditions, and in many ways structurally were still unwelcoming to students of color. And then at the end of 2015, at the tail end of Roads Must Fall, came Fees Must Fall. And some say, many people say it started or at least got its biggest movement and fulcrum at Wits University, but it happened at universities across South Africa too. But in Johannesburg, at Wits in particular, Students were demanding free higher education because they were saying 
this is how you revolutionize the country. We students should be able to study for free. And there was a massive back and forth for years. Bladen Zamande, who is still the head of the Department of uh, Higher Education, even then was getting into fights with students, verbal fights, but there were also running battles between security forces and students across campuses, outside of parliament buildings, on the streets. There was tear gas and beatings and all of these kinds of awful things. Political parties got involved. There was all kinds of allegations of subterfuge and sabotage. And then at the very end of that, in 2017, one of the last things that former President Jacob Zuma did was he said that there would be free higher education. Very lecker, easy thing to do when you're just finishing as president because you don't have to do it. Very, very convenient from President Zuma. And kind of by some people's reads, a bit of a screw you I'm dumping you with the mess on his successor and political rival, Cyril Ramaphosa. But Ramaphosa kept to that commitment, and that was when, in 2018, NISFAS fundamentally changed from loans to bursaries for students. But, crucially, there was no effective system in place to help students who, before 2017 or in 2017, had ended up in loan agreements with NISFAS. All of those students still had to pay and complete those loans. There wasn't amnesty for them. And that left them stuck in the same crisis that I've been describing to you since the very beginning of NISFAS. So between these two presidencies, it was decided that students who came from households with a combined annual income of less than, so up to 350,000 rand, would get free higher education from 2018. So NISFAS as a model was converted to bursaries, but still contingent on academic performance. But crises continued. There were protests at WITS, UKZN, DUT, UJ and more calling for free accommodation for those affected by historical debt in 2019. There were still all of these students who were mired in the debt of their loans that they had taken out from NISFAS from 2017 and before. And all of the fundamental NISFAS problems of not being able to rely on that money being paid on time continued even with the new bursary system. And particularly in recent years, there have been mountains of accusations that the NISFAS online system is easy to hack, meaning that there have been allegations of, by some estimates, tens or hundreds of thousands of ghost students who are not real students, where people have just created avatars and faked through the documentation to collect NISFAS allowances, even when they are not students and not eligible for any kind of NISFAS support. Bizarrely, some students have been overpaid and some students underpaid from their allocations through this NISFAS payment system. It's like students randomly get more or less money than they earned or like were awarded and allocated when they first applied for assistance. Most famously or infamously, in March 2022, a student from Walter Sisulu University, Sibon Gilemani, was sentenced to five years in jail for the theft of more than 800,000 rand in NISFAS funds. Now, How did Sibongile get 800,000 rand or access to it to actually steal? Well, in 2017, while she was studying, she was transferred 14 million rand. That was how much was deposited into her bank account. Instead of 1,400 rand, which is how much she was entitled to receive as a NISFAS beneficiary. Think about that. Think about, it's so profound, the level of dysfunction in your payment system, the systemic failure of the most basic digital infrastructure and payment operations of your organization, that it is possible to pay 14 million rand 
instead of 1,400 rand into a bank account. It is shocking. It is mind-boggling. It is almost too much for a reasonable person to process with just my one brain, my one little brain. So Sibongile took the money and, you know, from her perspective, the greatest blessing you could possibly imagine. In a few hours, she'd spent more than 20,000 rand. She ended up spending more than 800,000 rand before her account was frozen. Now, again, the system failure, when it is clear that this is happening, to not be able to freeze a bank account before 800,000 rand has already been spent, has been used. It is unfathomable. Now, this podcast is not about whether or not Sibongile deserved five years in jail. It's not about the relative morals, ethics, or responsibilities of this particular case. This is about how that was even possible. This is the fundamental disaster with NISFAS. So now we're going to get to 2023. But just before then, funding for NISFAS has exploded in the last eight years. It was like 6 billion, 5.9 billion in 2014. It was 49 billion in 2022. 49 billion rand for NISFAS in 2022. But still, so fundamentally dysfunctional, such a disaster. And remember, with all of these failures, as they pile up, you have to eventually go, this is a systems failure. This isn't one or two individuals. This is a failure of a system to execute its vision. And the person who has to be responsible for that is the person who's been the same person, the head of this department of higher education for years. It has to fall on Blade and Zamande after a while. It just has to, because it is his job to make sure that Nisfas works. It's like his fundamental job. So now, 2023, it's been such an insane mess. I'm just going to, the only way I can do this, the, the most sensible way I can do this is to go chronologically. There's no other way to dissect what has happened just this year. So January 2023, NISFAS received more than 1.6 million applications. It's a lot of applications. It's a lot of students who need funding and need support. In February 2023, there was a report that showed that student debt in South Africa is an even bigger crisis now than it was before the switch to the bursary system. Student debt is ballooning because remember these bursaries that NISFAS is providing these students post-2018 or from 2018 onwards are often still not enough to cover the full cost of tuition and room and board and food, and travel, and, 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 or trying to be a student in South Africa in this modern day. The historical debt of students who ended up in rough NISFAS loans before the 2017 Zuma announcement, so anybody before that, had not been effectively dealt with, hasn't been effectively dealt with at all. There hasn't been a good intervention. So in 2017-18, in that academic year, student debt was 11.3 billion rand. And for the last fully completed one, 2021-2022, 16.5 billion rand. Crisis is getting way, way worse. And again, this is a consequence of a radical systems failure. In July 2023, that's just a few months ago, NISFAS introduced a new bank card which students are meant to use for transactions. So previously, students would receive their monthly allowance from their institution, their college or university that they went to, but now they'd go through this new bank card system. But students struggled to register for the system at all. And because they were struggling to register and the system couldn't process all of these applications or vet them or ratify them, students were not getting the money that they needed. There were more issues about students being paid too much versus their allocation or too little or not paid at all. In fact, 
there wasn't even an effective system to check that students were getting their allocation. There was no ratification system which said, cool, this is how much you should be getting. This is how much you are getting at all. In a digital system, it it is the job of the system to do that. Also in July 2023, Outer, which is the organization undoing tax abuse, found that NISFA students pay higher banking fees than everybody else. One example, NISFA students pay 29 rand per month where a normal bank would charge 10 rand per month for the functionings of their bank account. These are students who have no money. They are going through NISFAS because they are in financial need. They need this money. And now they're being charged by banks more than banks charge people who have money. They're being penalized for needing money by being charged more money than everybody else is being charged. It's absolutely insane. And then it came to light that when NISFAS created this newfangled digital system with this bank account and this bank card, they got four service providers. Only one of those four has a banking license. You heard me right. Only one of those four has a banking license. And only two of those four service providers are registered for VAT. Only two of them out of four are VAT vendors. It is unfathomable how this has happened. So these four vendors who are inappropriate, not even qualified to do the job, caused a horror situation for students and created a system that didn't work. For students who are studying right now, it's not a hypothetical student who's going into this system in six months' time or six months after the release. It's right now. It is absolutely horrifying. So let's go to August 2023. Just now, even more recent, students obviously protested and demanded change because of the absurdity of charging students who require funding the most banking fees and because the new system doesn't work. And then the student protesters handed over their demands to the presidency at the union buildings. And the demands were very obvious. It was an immediate end to the new NISFIS direct payment system. It was a fundamental change to the way NISFIS is administered because it's fundamentally not worked for decades. It is just crazy. And then the last thing they demanded is also very important. Because if something is going wrong with NISFIS, you need to be able to appeal But sometimes the appeals take months to be processed and seen with while you are without money, without the ability to study, without the ability to study to the best of your powers. And so their demand was simple. Attendance and approval of all current NISFIS appeals within four weeks. They shouldn't have to ask for that. That shouldn't be an ask. September 2023. Unsurprisingly, the government grills NISFIS on the disastrous situation that NISFIS find itself in. This inquiry found that 44,000 students' appeals that depend on the institution are missing documents. And correctly, the quotes were, the big quote was, from February to now, where are these students getting food from? Like, how? Where are they getting food from? This inquiry also found that 45,000, nearly 46,000 students were disqualified for submitting falsified or fraudulent documents, which begs the question, are these students deservingly disqualified or are these fake students, ghost students who are rinsing the system while students in actual need don't get supported? So then, October 2023, just technically last month because I'm recording on the 1st of November. You're probably listening to this on the 2nd of November when we release it. October 2023, totally unsurprisingly, the CEO of NISFAS was fired by the board, Andile Nongogo, because of the IT crisis and the payment delays of this NISFAS system, but also because... The new payment system that he had championed, this whole mess, is a 47 billion rand mess. It is an 
absolute scandal. And now there are allegations that he might be involved in a couple of the service providers. There are allegations that he personally selected these four service providers who are such utter failings without going through the proper procurement process. Because surely if you went through the proper procurement process first, you'd, you know, publicly gazette it so more people could apply. Secondly, you wouldn't handpick. But thirdly, your service providers would be told if you don't, if you're not registered for VAT and you don't have a banking license, how are you supposed to do this job? He's now accusing this um, ex-CEO, somebody else of making him be the fall guy and that somebody else handpicked these 12 service providers. But while all this is happening, students are not getting financial support. Students are being left high and dry in disaster zones. And how are they going to get the marks that they deserve or need to get funding in the future in this context, even if they do find money for food? And many political parties have called for this. The buck has to stop somewhere. And there is one person who's been overseeing the Department of Higher Education, which is responsible for NISFAS, for years and years and years. And his name is Bladen Samande. So yeah, I'm sure Eric, the editor, is going to bleep this out again. But Nisfas is f- And at the end of all of this, the issue with Nisfas, and it feels almost a bit silly for me to describe the episode as that, but the issue with Nisfas, because there are so many issues with this system and there have been so many victims of it already. All I want is for one or a bunch of political parties to make this one of the most important issues when they appeal for votes in the upcoming election. Because... This is an unfathomably massive crisis in South Africa, and political parties should be judged on their plan to fix NISFAS and their ability to do so. The ANC should be judged on its government's endless year-on-year inability to make NISFAS work. It should be one of the biggest ticket issues in the 2024 general election. So if you're a politician listening to this show, I'd I don't know why you do, because I very rarely have anything good to say about politicians in this country, but like Come on, particularly in a country which is so young, where the median voting age, I think, is 27, where so many people are youth who need employment, who need qualifications, need opportunities. We have to fix NISFAS. So thank you for listening. This is The Issue with Dan Corder, but I'm sure you knew that already. We watch South Africa together because we know South Africa is a movie and why not come watch with us? Once again, please just click a follow or subscribe. It'll take you two seconds and mean the world to us just to support the project as we develop. New episode comes out next week. And of course, you can catch us on all the social media to give us feedback on this episode and also watch the video version of this episode up on YouTube. We'll be back next week. Good luck, particularly if you're a NISFAS-dependent student. 